This podcast is part of the course Leading Change at Stockholm School of Economics. It is created by master's students in the business and management program. This just in, you are looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers. Two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack on our country. Terrorism against our nation will not stand. It's being called the worst oil spill ever in Alaska. The supertanker Exxon Valdez, loaded with nearly 53 million gallons of oil, ran aground off the port of Valdez in southern Alaska today and broke open. China is urging its citizens not to travel abroad as it struggles to contain the virus that has now killed more than 100 people. As the coronavirus outbreak continues... Good morning, good afternoon, leaders of tomorrow. My name is Mill, and you're listening to Leadership in a Nutshell. As happy as I am having you all listening to us today, this is an unusual time. We're in the middle of possibly the biggest global crisis in modern time. Therefore, today the theme will be leadership in a crisis. What is a crisis? How should it be managed? What makes a good leader in a crisis? This week's guest has spent hours researching this subject. I'm very pleased to welcome Johan Edlund. Johan, how are you today? Hi there, Mia. Nice to be here with you this sunny afternoon, although the circumstances could definitely have been better. Yeah, I agree with you, but I'm still very pleased to have you here. So today I'm interested to know the definition of a crisis, how to be a leader during a crisis, and of course also relating this to examples both from the current situation as well as crises in the past. Johan, do you think you can answer this? Yeah, I hope so. And as I see it, and as I will try and prove using some examples, communication is key during a crisis. So a lot of time will be spent discussing how a leader should communicate to uh, the public, employees, and of course, everyone else affected. That sounds very interesting. But I want to take a step back. First of all, can you tell me what, what is a crisis? Yeah, absolutely. So what makes a crisis a crisis is that it's a significant threat to operations that can have negative consequences if not handled properly. Uh, let's break this down a bit. So significant threat to operation basically means that stuff is going to go downhill, right? Yeah. So threat could be anything from lack of sunshine, making it harder to sell ice cream and then the ice cream selling is the operation. Or on a larger scale, a virus causing a global pandemic, threatening the operation that is the world health and economy. So as you can see, crisis can vary a lot in size. But there are a lot of different types of crisis as well, right? Um, is there any way to distinguish between different types of crisis? Absolutely. Uh, one study that I found interesting distinguished between uh, three types of crisis, depending on actually what caused the crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, so first of all, we have a victim crisis, such as natural disasters, where you have a lot of victims, but it may be difficult to find someone to blame since the crisis is caused by external factors that are basically out of your control. Could Corona be such a victim crisis? Yeah, definitely. Uh, but maybe more common examples would be natural disasters, such as forest fires, hurricanes, or earthquakes. Mm, okay. Um, and then secondly, you have accident crisis, where accidents such as technical issues um, cause a threat to operations, or in a worst-case scenario, posing a threat to human health, or in some cases, actually human lives. And then finally, you have preventable crisis, where human error causes the threats. 
But why is it called preventable? Well, if we compare it to the victim crisis, where I said that it's out of our control, a uh, crisis caused by human error is more under our control and thus can be prevented. Mm, okay. But so a crisis happened, and, and then what? Well, someone needs to handle the crisis, right? Yeah. And this is where crisis management and crisis leadership becomes important. And what is crisis management? Crisis management is the actions that a government, an organization, or a leader undertakes when trying to handle these threats, as I talked about. Uh, these actions depend heavily on what type of crisis it is. Okay, so crisis management is different depending on the crisis. But I'm wondering, are there any common characteristics um, defining good or bad leadership in a crisis that are um, independent of the type of the crisis? I think that's what we're going to find out today, isn't it? So, talking about a crisis as a challenge for everyone involved, what basic rules should leaders of all kinds follow? Or, let me ask differently, what makes a good leader in a crisis? That's a really good question, uh, but to answer it, we need to take a step back. So, every crisis is different, and a lot of what we know today about good crisis leadership is what we learned over the course of the past decades and crisis in the past. Let's start by going back to 1989 to look at a pretty bad example from Exxon, the energy-slash-oil company. Oh, was that the oil tanker accident? Yeah, exactly. So basically, an Exxon tanker lost millions of gallons of oil in the sea after hitting rocks in front of Alaska's shores. Really? What happened? So the captain of the ship actually gave control over the ship to his inexperienced third officer, uh, who accidentally crashed the ship. Uh, and this was, of course, a huge environmental crisis, mm. and Exxon, including its whole management team, did anything but a great job. First of all, it took a very long time, something like 10 days, until Exxon even reacted to the incident while trying to play it down and kind of just wait it out. And once they finally reacted, there were no apologies, uh, no transparency at all, just a short ad in the news stating Exxon would, of course, help with the cleanup. So no ownership of the problem at all, which I think would have been very important in this situation. Mm. But this um, must have led to dissatisfaction and bad reputation in the public, right? Absolutely, and this is what you really want to avoid. As a leader, you want to show ownership, you want to give transparency and kind of really be the role model for your followers. Uh, you want to give them hope, show credibility and kind of guide them through the crisis, even if you cost it yourself. But where was the CEO? So this is the thing. The CEO delegated all communication tasks to the internal PR team. So again, no ownership, no responsibility. And I think this was something contrib contributing to the public outrage and bad reputation for Exxon. So, Johan, what would you have recommended instead? I think the key lesson from this is that you need an immediate or at least well-timed and honest and empathetic response from the top representative of the company. So kind of the opposite of what Exxon did, huh? Yeah, kind of. Uh, we could also take a more recent example by looking at Facebook. They had this data privacy scandal, and uh, I don't know if you remember it, but it, it took Zuckerberg five days to respond at all. Uh, in these times, five days could just as well be a year. We made mistakes. That's what Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg is saying in response to the Cambridge Analytica scandal. This is after more than five days of staying silent on the matter. And during these five days, uh, Facebook lost so much public credibility and a lot of mistrust was created. Uh, newspapers even ran headlines saying, where is Zuckerberg? Okay, so clear ownership and accountability as a leader paired with transparency seems to be really important. But I'm wondering, have we seen this during the corona crisis? 
I would not say that people or leaders have been clearly missing. Uh, they have been present, but ownership could not really be observed since this is not a human-made crisis. So I think it's been hard for leaders to know when to kind of take charge. Uh, if we look at U.S., for example, uh, no one really took ownership in the beginning. Accountability was kind of pushed around and the public got a feeling that no one is actually leading the crisis and preparing the country for an actual outbreak. Now this has become a, a bit better with Trump at least accepting that there <laughs> is a crisis and it's something that he, he needs to handle as a president even though some argue that he did it too late. So now we know that kind of um, hiding or not actively addressing the problem is what leaders should not do in a crisis. But let's not stick with the bad examples, but instead have a look at leaders who demonstrate great crisis management. Do you have a prime example for this? I do, definitely. Uh, but first of all, I want to clarify that the success of crisis management does not only depend on the leadership. Mm -hmm. There are so many other factors outside the leader's control that influence the outcome. However, a good crisis leadership can guide it through the crisis. Uh, it can unite the followers and all people affected by the crisis and kind of set the scene for a good recovery from the crisis. Okay, do you have an example? Yeah, uh, let's take 9-11 as an example. Even though it was one of the darkest days in American history, there's a lot we can learn from the leadership shown here. Take the New York City mayor, for example, Rudy Giuliani. He was there minutes after the attack. He was present, answering questions, giving updates in so many press conferences. He did not only demonstrate that he was giving everything in the situation, creating trust and bringing transparency into this, this chaos, he also gave hope and, and kind of lifted the spirits of residents of both New York and all other Americans. I'm here on behalf of a very grateful and very admiring city to tell each and every one of you, saying how proud we are of the innocent men and women who are going about their lives, seeking their part of the American dream when their lives were cut short by the act of cowardly terrorists. So 9-11 taught us that we cannot anticipate every crisis. There are situations that hit us unprepared, and this is where true crisis leaders take the stage. Leaders like Giuliani show that the first thing to do is get on the scene, be present, take ownership, and be visible, even if you admit that you don't know what's next. A good leader conveys credibility that he or she will get on top of this. But wasn't Giuliani even named Person of the Year for this? I still remember the cover of Times Magazine. Yeah, he even got a, an award from the Queen of England. Who do you think will be the Person of the Year now in times of Corona? I think we can all agree that the real heroes of this crisis are the nurses, the doctor, and everyone else in the society keeping the world from kind of totally collapsing right now. I would say that they are the real heroes of this crisis. I definitely agree. But uh, talking about leadership done by a single person, we need to wait and see how things play out first. Uh, I've seen a few examples of good leadership, though. Uh, we have, for example, Sebastian Kurz, the prime minister of Austria. Uh, he took initiative from day one, putting himself out as the leader of the country, keeping the public informed many times per day. Uh, I'm not the right person to judge the effectiveness of his measures, but what I can tell you is that he did a really good job establishing himself as the leader, uh, kind of the owner of the crisis, giving direction when needed and aligning the public in this mission of fighting the virus while at the same time spreading hope. Oh, a lighthouse in times of crisis. So how do you think the situation in the US will develop? We see case numbers exploding, the president changing direction again and again, and the country directing towards a humanitarian and financial crisis. 
yeah, it's definitely an interesting style of presidential leadership demonstrated here. <laughs> but um, we've also seen a, let's call it, uprisal of a new, so far rather unknown figure. Uh, in the last days, Dr. Fauci, uh, who's in charge of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, took quite active ownership in the crisis. One could even go so far to say that he's becoming the lighthouse of this crisis. Kind of the position the presidential mood swings leave open. I think it's time to sum this up. Uh, even if I could keep asking you questions and talk about this for hours. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult and interesting topic. So how would you summarize the things that we have been talking about today? Do you have any key takeaways for the listeners? Yeah, I do. But first, I want to mention one thing that has not really been addressed yet. Uh, talking about the crisis that happened 20 or 30 years ago versus today, uh, the landscape, the context is very different. Today, with digitalization, information mm -hmm. spreads extremely fast. Uh, there are a lot of fake news circulating. Uh, people are always updated. So it's therefore extremely important for different stakeholders to be kind of prepared. So not only prepared, but to build trust and credibility so that when a crisis occurs and you have to communicate as a company or as a government, the trust is so strong and people, the followers or the ones affected, actually believe what you're saying. Mm, that makes sense. So preparation is something we haven't touched upon, even though I understand that that is key for managing crisis. But what you mean is also that the context is different today. Yeah, and with this fast spread of information, it's even more important to quickly take ownership and be transparent with the crisis. Ownership, urgency, transparency. I get it. So if we sum this up, great crisis leadership heavily depends on the crisis one finds him or herself in. Yet, creating an immediate sense of urgency will ultimately result in the perceived creation of ownership that seems to be so essential in conducting good crisis leadership. Being transparent along the way and keeping the public and different stakeholders informed is needed to round things up. After all, this will create great authenticity of the leader and a feeling of trust that people in times of crisis heavily rely on. Thank you, Johan, for taking the time to answer my questions today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a difficult time, but leaders all over are facing challenges right now to guide the public through this international crisis. Yeah. So thank you again, Johan. And to all of our listeners, I would actually like to finish off by listening to another person, namely Arne Sorensen, the CEO of Marriott Hotel Group. He's really distilling the importance of being a passionate and empathetic role model for followers, taking ownership and being transparent with information towards followers, while still making sure that everyone can count on the leader. I can tell you that I have never had a more difficult moment than this one. There is simply nothing worse than telling highly valued associates, people who are the very heart of this company, that their roles are being impacted by events completely outside of their control. I've never been more determined to see us through than I am at this moment. While it's impossible to know how long this crisis will last, I know we as a global community will come through the other side and that when we do, our guests will be eager to travel this beautiful world again. You have been listening to Leadership in a Nutshell, episode Owning a Crisis, created by Felicitas Wenzel, Pascal Fischer, Johan Edlund and Mi Persson.